When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of Talking Tuesday Nights, GC Live, Talking GC Live. Live. Um, I can't even speak, Joe. You know, it's just been one of those weeks. And you know what, though? It's only fitting because this week is going to feel that way for this football team. As South Carolina announced earlier today, that they'll be playing on Thursday night, something that is needed because of Hurricane Ian and trying to make sure everyone's safe. So everyone that from Florida, below that, all the way up the coast, hope everyone is going to be okay um, as that thing gets ready to, to hit the, uh, the shorelines. But let's talk some football. Let's talk some football. Let's make an adjustment here. Just like the Gamecocks will be making an adjustment. And we will uh, discuss some of the things that were said today during Shane Beamer's weekly press conference. So intern Joe. Away you go for a little bit, buddy, and let's get right into it. Let's get right into it, Travis. Saw Lady Bree with the comments saying, hello, Travis says, Mike, here are the key numbers this week. 35 rushing attempts. More importantly, 12. We need Bell and Stogner to get combined 12 passes their way. Look, Travis, I feel like what we saw last week from South Carolina, and we said this after the game on GC Live, the post-game show with Perry Orth, and we also said it, during the mix in a water segment that aired yesterday with former Gamecock offensive lineman Mason Zandy. South Carolina, what they're going to probably do is they're going to try to run the football again. But at the same time, too, this is not going to be the same type of defense that you saw a week ago that had the same issues, I believe, in comparison to Charlotte. Historically, South Carolina has had a lot of success running the football against the Bulldogs. But at the same time, too, we knew Charlotte had holes on defense especially from a rushing standpoint, to the point where they came into last week's game ranked third to last in the country in rush defense. On top of that, they were ranked last in total defense, and they proved that in in the manner in which South Carolina was able to get up on them and go up and down the field. So give a lot of credit to what South Carolina was able to do offensively, regardless of who they played last week. From an offensive standpoint, they protected the football, which was great to see. And then number two, they were able to score on every possession when the starters were out on the field. Those two things are what stood out to me the most. Certainly, Marshawn Lloyd playing like the Marshawn Lloyd that so many of us wanted to be able to see from two years ago, before that unfortunate situation that occurred with him tearing his ACL. He's finally been able to put that behind him. He's not thinking about his knee, and it's evident based on every cut that he's making that he's looking like the talented player that so many of us had hoped for him to look like. So that's great to see. It really is. But uh, as far as being able to throw the football this week, 
And I know you specifically mentioned Travis wanting to get the ball to the tight ends with Stogner and Bell. Michael Skarnecchia, who will be on our postgame show on Thursday, this is something that he's mentioned multiple times on our airwaves, that he would like to see South Carolina get, especially these two guys, the ball, but especially going through the middle of the field. And when you think about going through the middle of the field, you're, you're thinking a lot of, about the tight ends. That's what I expect to see this week. I expect South Carolina to take their shots passing. I'm not saying this is going to be a game where Spencer Rattler is going to go out there and throw the ball, you know, 35, 40 times. He threw the ball 23 times last week. I mean, you might see that number close to 30 this week, but more than 35, 40, yeah, I don't see it. I really don't. Um, but I think the beauty of it is you want to be able just to protect the football. You have to be able to protect it. I know we have intern Joe here because we talked about this before on some of the other shows, intern Joe, is that you look at what South Carolina was struggling with after the first three weeks, especially the last two previous ones before last week's game, and that was being able to create turnovers to the point where South Carolina was minus seven heading into last week's game against Charlotte and they were minus six in their two previous games when you look at Arkansas and Georgia. They were able to create turnovers, especially in the second half. That's what they're going to have to continue to do, and it's not just because, okay, look, they're playing South Carolina State this week. Should be able to take care of that game. They should be able to have no problem. Should be able to get another win, feel good about themselves. But that's what it's about. It's about feeling good, getting that confidence going, and continuing that trend. Right? We talk about offense being able to get confidence. You need confidence on defense too. This is yeah. a team. This is a team, Joe, that is banged up still defensively. We don't know what's going to happen from a defensive standpoint. We know for a fact that you're still going to be playing without Jordan Stogner and Mokaba. They were down four starters last week. I'm not going to include RJ Roderick. Nicky Minwari, he's the starter right now. Until things change, he's the starter. And he's been the starter since week two. You need to be able to develop confidence in depth on defense. That's something that concerns you right now. When you, but when you have the turnovers like they did the other night and cause the turnovers, excuse me, that's that's a good thing to see. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. Like we said post-game uh, on Saturday, turnovers come in bunches, and this defense got some finally. Um, it's it's big for momentum, you know, kind of going through South Carolina State. Um, after South Carolina State, you got Kentucky. They're a legit SEC road test. Um, and so if this defense can generate more turnovers on Saturday, it's going it, to it, it will um, carry momentum into Kentucky, you know, getting Cam Smith back this week, getting Darius Rush back this week. It's very, very, very big um, because those guys are going to start to develop a rhythm. Um, and they're also going to be a big like vocal presence to the guys like Eamon Worry and all these true freshmen that are stepping up in wake of these injuries. Um, and so, I mean, Cam Smith is a guy that, I mean, you can't really st- – uh, overestimate, you know, how big his impact is. He's a vocal leader and he's a shutdown cornerback. Beamer said it today and I quoted him in my article coming soon on Gamecock Central should be posted a little later tonight. Um, that Beamer said you can't really win a lot of games when you're missing, you know, two star cornerbacks um, defensively and Darius Rush and Cam Smith. And I mean, without those guys, the defense is a lot of young guys, a lot of untested guys that really haven't been like in with each other, you know, in practice and whatnot. So the communication 
um, naturally is going to drop. But when you get those two leaders back, it, it, it really just elevates the play simply based on how good the communication is and is going to be, Mike. No, I agree, Joe. I agree, and I, and I think that's what you're looking for this week. Communication, protect the football, just do the little things. Do the little things in a game like this. And, look, we know that this week is condensed. Um, and if you have been under a rock all day, South Carolina announced first thing this morning that the game is going to be moved up to Thursday and it's going to be played at night, seven o'clock SEC network. Uh, I'm happy this happened for multiple reasons. I'm happy this happened for multiple reasons. You know, one of those, one of those reasons being that we need to see South Carolina have this game because they need to be able to continue, like I said, the confidence factor of it all. Okay, you put it together against Charlotte. That's fantastic. You should have been able to do that. And they did. And they did. Now you got to do it against this week's team. And that's South Carolina State before having to get back into SEC play in you know another week when you have to go travel to Kentucky. So I liked what I saw last week. I know a lot of people are still going to be skeptical about the offense, and I get that, rightfully so. But at the same time, too, what more could you have really asked from an offensive standpoint? Don't worry about QBR and this stat. And this, I mean, I, I was looking at the QBR today because we had someone on Gamecock Central send that to me. And I think the QBR for Rattler, Rattler was like 38 point something. Didn't turn the ball over at all. 17 to 23, just under 200 yards passing. He protected the football. It's all you can ask for. Really? It's all you can ask for. You want to go see him throw five touchdown passes? Why? Why do that when you're running the football with a guy like Marshawn Lloyd for over 11 yards of carry? Something that hadn't been done since 2010. Only done, what, one other time since 2000, I believe. And that was Marcus Lattimore against Troy. And then just the third time against... FCS opponents as well, throw that in there when Kevin Harris did it back in 2019 against Charleston Southern. And that game, I mean, shoot, Harris was just an absolute freak that game. I believe he had, what, three touchdowns on six carries and like 147 yards. It was something stupid. He averaged like 24 24 yards a carry. You need to be able to do those things this week, just like you did last week from a running standpoint. It's going to build confidence with the offensive line. It's going to build confidence in terms of what this offense ultimately wants to do, and that's being able to go out there and and use this zone-blocking scheme that Marcus Satterfield wants to do. And I think for the players, when you're able to see the results like that, it doesn't have to be against a Kentucky, a Florida, a whoever – when you're able to just get the results, you're able to buy in more. And I think the timing of these games against Charlotte, against South Carolina State, couldn't have come at a better time for South Carolina. So, look, this is the schedule. This is the slate that they have. You have to take care of business now. But getting back to that, in terms of why well, I'm glad this game's playing on a Thursday – Number one, obviously, is the safety. But number two, it's good to be able to see a team like South Carolina State get that money, the money game, right? I mean, this is essentially a money game for South Carolina State. They're getting paid, and I don't know the exact figure, but they're getting paid a lot of money to play South Carolina. 
that's what happens when we see from some of these smaller schools, an FCS program. So to keep that money in state, number one is great. But number two, I mean, for a team like for a team like South Carolina State that needs to be able to have as much money as they can to be able to keep their program afloat, it's important. And I think it's extra special when you have a guy like Buddy Pugh on the other side of this who used to be part of your program as an assistant coach way back in the day for South Carolina. And now he's the head coach of the Bulldogs and has done a tremendous job. And he represents everything right with not just college football, but everything right about the state of South Carolina. I think it's tremendous. I think it's tremendous that everyone was able to make this happen so quickly. And it was clean. And it should be that way, right? I mean, you have two teams are in the same state. It's not like this situation. You're hearing things with S- in North Carolina State and Clemson and – you know, it's just find a way to make it happen. Find a way to make it happen. So I'm glad that we were able to do that. See, Joe sending us a little message here. What we got, Joe? Unmute yourself, intern Joe. My bad. Sorry, Mike. We've got uh, Ty on the line right now. Ty, go ahead. Yes. Can you hear me? What's going on, Ty? important for us to um, the reason why uh, I won't say QBR is important but I'm just saying that Spencer needs to get going because when we get into SEC play like Kentucky that team beat Florida and we need Spencer to be hitting those cylinders with those wide receivers he needs to develop some type of chemistry in hitting those wide receivers because we already see that our team can't run the ball effectively we can run the ball on teams like SC State and Charlotte, but it's time to go against five-star players. We need to be able to throw the ball as well if we get into third and longs. So that's what I'm, I'm starting to see. In the, in the, with the stagnancy on offense, Spencer needs to be able to get the chemistry with those wide receivers. What do you think about that? No, I, I, I agree with you, and I feel like it's going to continue to start happening. I feel like more importantly than anything else, they've needed to be able to establish that trust and I, and I know they might not come out and say it that way, but they need to be able to establish that trust with Rattler in the offensive line. Rattler and just that internal head, internal clock in the head of a quarterback of knowing when to step up, when to get out of the pocket. I know we've seen the stat over the last, what, maybe going back to last week, float around about how Rattler, I believe, rates last in the in the conference in terms of how long he holds on to the football. And that was before the, the Charlotte game. I think that's something that can be corrected. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact of a guy learning a new system and trying to figure out the guys around him. And when you have the schedule that, that they had, being able to have to go to Arkansas week two, then taking on Georgia week three, you don't really have a lot of time to be able to do the trial and everything and figure out, okay, what works and what doesn't. I mean, you're going at a million miles per hour and you have to be able to find ways to make things happen on the fly. So being able to, to have more games under his belt in this system. And this goes back to something I said all preseason, especially on Gamecock Central, which was I didn't feel like this offense would really start to come together until week four. Now, do I feel like they're where they need to be right now? I feel like they're a little behind. But at the same time, too, I don't feel like they're as off as some people may have expected them uh, or some people maybe assume they are. Give it some time, okay? Saw what they did against Charlotte. See what they can do this week against South Carolina State. Make yourself feel better about what this team's trying to do heading into next week's game against Kentucky. 
Um, looks like we have another one on the line. Joe, who we got? We got Caleb on the line. Yep, Caleb, go ahead. Uh, hey, Mike. So I another question on the offense. Um, question is, I hear a lot of people saying that we cannot run the ball based on the Georgia and Arkansas game, and even Georgia State going back to that. But um, in my opinion, it was more of a problem of even trying to establish the run. Um, we saw against Arkansas, um, we came out throwing the ball all across the field against the team that drops eight in coverage. And my question is, do you think that we would be able to run the ball against a team like a Kentucky if we actually tried to establish it? Um, and that's all I got for you. I mean, if you asked me this after the Georgia game, I would have told you, you know, I, I feel like it's it's not necessarily, okay, they can't do it thing, but they haven't been able to prove it yet. Um, and I, and I think the, the thing that, you know, it's funny, you know, people that are watching, you know, people that are watching, people that are listening, depending where you are, you know, that I'm back up in Boston covering the Gamecocks remotely. So I'm back home and, you know, going through the back room, finding an old book today. And this is old, old school football, uh, for my, you know, my dad's stuff, you know, coaching the zone offense. And obviously South Carolina is trying to do that the best they can. And I, I, I say all that. Because one thing that you need more than anything is you need to be able to get these guys to be on the same page. And it's not just the offensive lineman. I taped a podcast today with Marcus Lattimore. We were talking a little bit about this book. And that podcast will drop tomorrow on uh, Believe in South Carolina. But you need everyone to be able to, to be on the same page with it. And what happens sometimes is when you're not seeing the results of the work that you're putting into it, it becomes real easy for one guy or potentially even two guys to kind of fall off. And when you're not doing that and when, when those things happen, and you're not doing what you're supposed to offense just goes out the window. So when you're able to have a game like this against Charlotte, yes, this isn't a Kentucky. This isn't a Texas A&M. This isn't a Florida or Tennessee or whoever, but at the same time too, sometimes you just need to be able to physically see the results so that you can say, okay, I understand what Marcus Satterfield's trying to do from a schematic standpoint with this offense. I understand what we're trying to accomplish now as a whole and that it can be done. So I feel like that confidence certainly was uplifted. Now you got to be able to do it again against South Carolina state. So if they're able to do it again this week, does that necessarily mean they're going to go out there and be able to, you know, if they put up over 200 yards rushing this week in South Carolina state, does that mean they'll be out there running for 200 against the cats? come next week I'm not saying that's necessarily going to happen but I'd feel much better about this team so I think that's what you want to see you want to be able to see this offense when they want to run the football be able to do it in a dominant fashion similar to the way how they did it last week against Charlotte as far as passing is concerned you want to be able to see just some rhythm and some consistency I mean look whether it be running the football or throwing the ball right Guys are going to have to sacrifice touches. We're seeing that right now. I mean, I know it's more so just on paper because it hasn't been necessarily on display that much throughout the year. We've seen spurts, right? You see a situation like Juice Wells in week two against Arkansas. But I think with South Carolina, what they need to do is they need to be able to realize, hey, look, we have some talent. We have some talent at receiver. We have some talent at tight end. Not everyone's going to get their touches. And as soon as people recognize that and realize that and just go out there and just execute, 
I think this this team will realize, hey, we can do some special things. And I think Rattler is going to continue to feel and look more comfortable in this offense. Lattimore mentioned it today. Even though he wasn't throwing the ball as much last week, he wasn't asked to do that. But when you have that confidence from a run-blocking standpoint, it can help in the pass-blocking and everything else around it can look a little bit more in sync. Joe, I know we have Lady Bree on the line. If you want to add her on in. Yep. Bree, you're live. Go ahead. Hey, Mike. Man, you were just kind of you're, – you're, you're all hitting everything right on, like, what I was trying to talk about. And, and funny enough, you mentioned that, you know, people are talking about Satterfield talking about you know, I think when he said if he had 12, 13 personnel and could run 275, it would be his druthers. I don't think he meant he was going to do that every game, but I think everybody's twisting those words now. But at the same time, does he not kind of have some of that personnel there to, to kind of run stuff like that right now? I mean, we've got four really good tight ends. I mean, <laughs> you know, um, I, uh, I called in – uh, about, you know, what I have really broken down, I did some extensive work on this. I made some content and whatnot. I thought to Joe a little bit about it. Is our O-line. I went back. I really started watching our O-line all the way back to Georgia State uh, just based on things I would hear coaches say and stuff and really go break stuff down. And I broke down Georgia extensively. But Arkansas broke them down pretty well. And we were running the ball, guys. We, we, the last caller said we chose not to run the ball against Arkansas. And I said that. I said that back then. I said we were moving the ball against Arkansas. We just did not call up the run plays. And I said I, I guarantee you Marcus is going to end up a little trying to do too much running against Georgia because he just got criticized for not running the ball enough. And he, he did in key situations that I think he needed to pass in. He was trying to, to prove his, his run, you know. But what I got after I broke down the Georgia game, was was amazing. But I went and really broke it down play by play, and I got to see what was going on. And so much criticism of the O-line after that game. I've been arguing with everybody. I'm like, O-line's not looking that bad, guys. They're looking pretty good. We were missing other stuff. And, uh, and, and everybody, the players, the coach, they're all defending the O-line. And I'm like, I'm going back and breaking the plays down, going, this is why they're defending their O-line. This is why all the coaches and all the players are defending the O-line. Um, what we did get out of Charlotte was we found out that Spencer has definitely worked on his pocket navigation and that his pockets can hold up. And we identified our one game that we're going to need because I think the back half of our schedule is going to be huge. Uh, you, you said, can we run it 200 yards against Kentucky? I think we can. I started looking forward to like uh, some games and Kentucky being the, the one I've looked at and examined the most. Their line is, is super susceptible. So I think, you know, a lot of people wanted to see a high-powered, air-raid-style offense because, you know, hey, we got Spencer Rattler here now, and they're disappointed, and they're not accepting the positives out of the Charlotte game that, man, we look good. Uh, you know, we got to do the same thing again in SEC State, and then we got to prove we can do that in SEC play. Of course we do. But I think the matchups coming up and the reason we, we are concentrating on that run so hard, Mike, is Kentucky's susceptible to it. Florida's susceptible to it. Tennessee's a tempo game. We, we, we have to control tempo against Tennessee. And Maybe we break. short on defense that we don't want to have out there all the time, which is something you were talking about earlier. I think I'll... So, Lady Bree, and I'll, and I'll 
then I'll cut you off there. But I think you're right. I think you're right about Kentucky. And we'll worry about Tennessee, Florida um, once we once we get to that point. Because as we've learned from South Carolina, not just this year, but in years past, people have been banged up a little bit, right? I mean, we saw that in the secondary last week. I don't know. I know, Annie, I don't know if you were mentioning Cam Smith. We're talking about more so uh, Spalding, Darius Russ, some of the injuries that South Carolina had last week. Um, but I think, look, anything can happen once you get to that point, but you have to be able to have that success with being able to run the football and not be one dimensional. I think Travis had mentioned that before Um, Travis bringing that up, you know, can't be one dimensional. You have to stick to the run. If, If you're able to get the run going, it opens up a lot, especially in the zone blocking, especially in zone blocking. So I think that's the big thing. Um, If they're able to do what they did the other night. Yeah, that's great. I mean, shoot, if you're able to score on um, – if you're able to score and um, not turn the ball over like they did the other night, you're going to be very successful against a lot of teams. Um, but I think what you want to be able to see more of, obviously, is is be able to find that rhythm in the passing game. And I think that's going to come. And I think we're going to start to see that this week against South Carolina State. It's not – going to be maybe the offense that some people and going back to what Bree brought up, maybe it's not the offense that some people thought of. Um, but that's, that's this, this system is a pro style offense. So it's not always going to look sexy. It's not always going to look okay. 40, 50, 60 points. It was the case last week is the run game and how it got going against a, not that great of a, of a rush defense in Charlotte, but it's not always going to look that Joe, we have a new caller on the line. Yeah, Jackson, you're good to go boss. Hey, Mike, I just wanted to ask you real quick. Um, you think as South Carolina fans, we're kind of getting impatient because the SEC East is getting so much better. Like Florida's on the rise, Kentucky's on the rise, Tennessee. You think we're just getting impatient because we're seeing how fast they're uh, they're getting better? I think it doesn't help. I think it does what we have seen in what, I mean, just college sports as a whole. The patience isn't there. And I get it because you look at a situation like Florida, right? A year ago, the Gamecocks were able to kick their teeth in. Dan Mullen loses his job. And what happens? Florida looks like they're just turning into a pumpkin. And now they're ranked. And they're not just ranked, but Kentucky's ranked. You're seeing Tennessee ranked. And, you know, in the top, top, what, top 10 now? Top 15? I don't remember exactly uh, what that number is right now. But the point being is, I think Kentucky's in the top 10. This is a situation where it's just like, look, the East is getting tougher. And never mind Oklahoma and Texas who will be coming in in a couple of years. The East is, is, a, is a good division right now. Very good division at that. So I think it makes things from a patient level more difficult, harder to swallow that pill. And I compare it to what's going on in Clemson. I said this before. I don't know if people would necessarily agree with me on this. If Clemson wasn't having the success that they've had over the last decade, I think Will Muschamp would have survived at least one more year. I think that process sped up a little bit because of what was going on in Clemson. When you see programs around you start to have success, it makes people impatient. With this situation with South Carolina, it stinks that their schedule was what it was to start the year because, I've, like I said, I felt like it was just going to take some time. 
for them to be able to get going from an offensive standpoint. Injuries are part of the game. Can only say that and make excuses about that so much. Next man has to step up. But you see what's going on the rest of the division. So I think if you're South Carolina right now, you have to realize that. Shane Beamer realizes that. Not every fan is going to be like, okay, hey, look, we're going to have patience, patience, patience. I don't need to tell this, this fan base patience. You guys know this a hell of a lot better than me. I've been covering this team since 2016, and you've seen what happens sometimes when you have patience. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not. So we can sit here, we can talk about patience. At the end of the day, at some point, that patience is only going to be able to last so long. I do feel like South Carolina is heading in the right direction right now. And I'm not even talking from a program standpoint. When you look about the recruiting that they've been able to do, look at the offensive line play that Beamer and this staff has attacked from a recruiting standpoint this offseason. I feel like what they're doing this season, if they're able to get this win in a manner in which, again, going back to what we've talked about with Marcus Lattimore earlier, just that confidence Gain that freaking confidence. Gain that confidence, and then you're going against a Kentucky team who's a little banged up right now. And I think I'm trying to go back and look at some of these comments. Travis, you know, Florida's overrated. I'm not saying Florida's a bad team, but I don't think they're as good as as some people think they are. I really don't. I think they have some flaws, some flaws that South Carolina could attack. Um, But with that being said, this is a team that a year ago you kicked their teeth in. I don't know if it'll be necessarily a, a walk in the park. Uh, Travis, again, you know, they put up numbers against Kentucky's defense is garbage. Um, I'm trying to look at Alex website rocks. One up is run by a two. Trying to go through some of these messages here. And I'll put uh, <laughs> I will put Joe back on. Intern Joe, I don't even know. I mean, I'm trying to keep up with some of these messages here. These comments, man. <laughs> Awfully fun sometimes. <laughs> what's your uh? What's, what? Let me ask you this: yeah. What do you want to see? What do you want to see against South Carolina State? Because, again, and it's not saying anything that no one in this room isn't thinking. They should be able to take care of South Carolina State with no problem. And I said this on the post-game show, Joe. I know you were there. That's not trying to badmouth the Bulldogs or Buddy Pugh, but this is a program you should be able to beat. This is a team that, yes, they won the HBCU National Championship year, but at the same time, too, they lost a lot of talented guys. They lost a guy like Kobe Durant, who is now playing for the Rams defensive back, it's not like they have Darius Leonard over there. This is a team that you should be able to beat. So I'm going to let intern Joe handle that real quickly as there's another call coming in. But you should be able to take care of this team. And we'll get Joe's thoughts on this upcoming matchup. But, you know, let us know. Let us know what you guys are thinking. Let us know what you guys are thinking about the upcoming matchup and what you want to see Thursday night. It's so weird to say not Saturday. Thursday night, what you want to see at williams Bright. You can call into the program at 803-567-3796. Once again, 803-567-3796 to call into GC Live Talking Tuesday night. Waiting for the thumbs up from Joe. We'll have the newest caller on to the program. 
Zachary's ready to go. Zach, what's going on, buddy? Zach. Go ahead, Zach. And Mike, how's it going? Good, Zach. How you doing, bud? Uh, I'm fine. Uh, I was just going to say that I I am I think that uh, uh, it's really important for us to run the ball for like a lot of what you said the uh, confidence of the offense. I think that we I think that we if we can find a way I feel like what you said is like so true. Like I feel like the passing game is going to come, but we just need get the running game under control. I think for like the past two seasons, like last season and this season, well, it looks like we struggled to run the ball. So just having moments where we can run the ball uh, will work, will uh, do well, uh, will be good for the team. And I'm glad we're playing this game on a Thursday so that uh, we can get ready for Kentucky a little earlier. Yeah. And look, running the football is going to be important. There's no two ways about it. Running the football is going to be important. I think it gets lost sometimes, and it goes back to what Lady Bree was mentioning earlier. When you have a quarterback like Spencer Rattler, I think some people naturally assumed, all right, they're going to throw the ball all over the field. And we even heard Marcus Satterfield going back to, I think it was actually following birdies with Beamer right before the start of the season. He mentioned, he's like, you know, I brought Rattler in here. We're going to throw the ball around. Well, as important as that is to, to what I believe this offense ultimately wants to be able to do, if you're not able to run the football, it becomes a hell of a lot easier to stop this offense. I mean, there's no two ways about it. When you become a one-trick pony, when defensive linemen, all they have to do is put their hand in the dirt, be off on that quarterback because they know it's pass, pass, pass. That is a dream scenario for a defensive lineman. As much of it is a dream for an offensive lineman to just run block. On the flip side of it, defensive linemen, they love to pass rush. They love being able to pass rush. So I think I think the big thing is you need to be able to build off of what you did from a run standpoint. No question about it. That will help the passing game. It will. If you want to see Rattler throw the ball a little bit more this week, again, I don't think you'll see him throw the ball 35, 40 times this weekend or Thursday night, and you should hope that's not the case. You don't need him to do that. You hope that's not what you need him to do. You should hope that it's very similar to what you were able to do against Charlotte, but realistically, you might have to throw the football five, six, seven more times. You might hit that 30 mark this week. So, again, I like what we saw from South Carolina the other night. Now you got to do it again. That's what these two games are. And it goes back to the quick slants article I wrote last week for Gamecock Central. Last week was, who are you week? This week's about, can you do it again? That's what these two weeks are about. Prove that you're capable of doing a couple of things, right? One thing, of course, was creating turnovers. They did that, especially in the second half. Once they started to play a little loose, I felt like in the first half, a lot of it had to do more so with the fact that they were just playing tight. And that will happen when you're down four guys defensively. But once they were able to play a little bit loose, more blitz calls, keeping things simple, right? they were able to go out there and just play ball. That was good. Offensively, you're able to run the football. 
you're able to get things going. You can see Marshawn Lloyd do Marshawn Lloyd things, which you had hoped you would have seen going back to two years ago. Do it again this week. Do it again this week. That's what it comes down to. Hey, Alex, um, it's worth you can text the uh, the call in number, boss. Just mentioning that. Got intern Joe here. Can add him back on. Joe, going back to what I was asking you before, what do you want to see? What do you want to see this week? And I know, Chris, you know, with a change of game day, um, affect the uh, home field advantage. Chris, I'll get into that in just a minute. But what do you want to see? What do you want to see, Joe, this this Thursday night from South Carolina? Um, I mean, defensively, again, like we mentioned it a little earlier, turnovers, um, got to keep that ball rolling, got to continue to just build the team chemistry on the defense. Um, and, I mean, offensively, you'd like to see, you know, the team run the ball a little bit more. I don't necessarily know if rain's in the forecast, but I'm assuming there will be some element to rain um, in the game because they're expecting it to come in, I believe, Thursday night at some point. Uh, but, I mean, you, you'd like to see a good run game. Um, and In ugly weathered games, the run game really kind of gets things going. Um, and, again, you've seen, like, this offense, it just it thrives off the run game. Once they get the run game going, it opens up so many other options for Spencer and whatnot and kind of takes the pressure off them a little bit more. So I'd like to see, you know, Marshawn Lloyd, Juju McDowell, mm-hmm. Neil Smith, even, even Jaheim Bell get involved. Um, if they can get the entire running backs room involved, I think we're going to see some pretty good things. And also, too, um, I, I guess depending on the weather, we'll, we might see Satterfield kind of let Spencer do his own thing a little bit more, kind of get get accustomed with the offense, getting ready to you know open up the playbook a little bit more come when, when they go to Kentucky. And also, too, with the weather, I, I think it's genius to put the game on Thursday to give – Mm-hmm. The guys extra rest going into Kentucky. I mean, we've seen hurricane games get scheduled on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, Beamer made it pretty clear today in his presser that, you know, moving it to Thursday was the best decision for everybody. Um, and, you know, it, it just makes too much sense, Mike. Yeah. And that kind of goes into what Chris mentioned. And I do want to go back to some of the things you mentioned too about the impact this will have and could have on South Carolina as they get ready for Kentucky the following week. Chris, you know, Will the change in game day affect fan turnout and home field advantage? Certainly. I mean, there's, there's, no, there's no question about it. When you think about just the number of people that come from out of state and come up here and are part of what makes college football special on Saturdays, I would assume that you will see um, a lesser turnout. Now, when I say lesser, does that mean, you know, 30,000? No. I mean, I, I think I think it's not going to look like a, a spring football game. I just don't think that place will be as packed. Um, and I think that's understandable. And then, Joe, tell me if I'm wrong. South Carolina hasn't canceled classes on Thursday. And I know for some some people, they need to make sure that they're there. I mean, I'm sure some will skip. Yeah. But, uh, you know, like, I, I've got class from like 420 to 5 o'clock on Thursday. So, I mean, I'm going to be a little bit late heading down into the game um but i mean no no word on classes thursday but i mean cory rucker he was oh my gosh his presser was amazing he's very very charismatic dude but he mentioned in his presser he's like college students will find any excuse to drink so a thursday night game is it's not going to be a problem for the student section i don't think um i might from my perspective i think we might see a little dip in attendance because people are getting off work it might be a little bit harder to get to the game um but I, I also do not doubt this fan base one bit. Um, when they, the team needs them to kind of show up, um, they will, and they, it will be in full force. 
Um, not necessarily quite like Georgia, but uh, I'm still expecting a good atmosphere. And again, Shane talked about that too in his presser. Um, he mentioned that, you know, our fans are some of the best ones in, in the world. Um, and that like there are other, he saw a lot of media around the other SEC schools that the, the fans weren't showing up and that a quarterback had mentioned that he wishes the students stayed in the student section a little bit longer or something like that. So I, I, I don't doubt the fan base one bit um, in terms of oh, atmosphere. And here, and here is actually, if you missed that earlier from Corey Rucker, we added the um, Adam Sandler, big daddy court moment from the, the old gentleman who uh, may be an alcoholic. So if you guys remember that scene from uh, the movie Big Daddy, we kind of had some fun with it. This is what uh, Corey had to say earlier today. But I'm pretty sure the cockpit will be full. Students, uh, college students really look for any reason to drink. So I think they'll be there and be be loud and rowdy. Hell yes. So I expect it to be the case. I expect guys to show out. It's going to be a good time. Um, But, yes, I mean, I, I expect it to dip. And it goes back to Chris's second question, you know, were we expecting any recruits to come in for the game? I know that Chris and Wes, they do a great job each week, especially the home games as far as recruiting goes, as to which players are going to be on campus from a recruiting standpoint because everything kind of flipped around. I don't know at this point if that is out yet um, because, again – and I'm trying to trying to see if we have it. Trying to do a quick look on the on the website here. I don't think it's out right now, um, but I do know from Jessica Jackson's tweets that South Carolina was anticipating some prospects this weekend, and that's going to change certainly with who will be here. Um, I'm sure some guys will still be able to come, but then you got to think, right? I mean, if guys are coming from out of state or depending on where they're coming from, especially the out-of-state guys, they're going to have school on Thursday. They're going to uh, most likely have a a game on Friday. I know some teams play on Saturday, depending on where they are. From a geographical standpoint, the hurricane may impact that, but I I think we won't see as many this weekend. And God bless Jessica Jackson and what they're doing from from a recruiting standpoint, trying to flip all that around because uh, I mean they're they're making adjustments on the fly. So look, and I said this earlier, right? When you have situations like this, you're not going to be appe- able to appease to everyone. What it comes down to first and foremost is safety. That's the reason they're moving the game. That's number one. Number two is just being able to play the game. So the fact that they're able to play this game, if if if, and I'm not saying this is the case. I'm sure there's a lot of people that do feel that way feel this way what i'm about to say if it comes down to it at the end of the year and south carolina needs that extra game to be able to be bowl eligible this could be it so you want to be able to get it in and then as i mentioned before from an in-state standpoint you're giving this money and you're keeping it in state but you're giving it to a program who they need this money they need this money to be able to help keep their program afloat um we know it's been well documented. A lot of HBCUs, they need to be able to have money like this to be able to keep their programs moving. And especially a guy like Buddy Pugh and everything he's done, not just for that program, but for this state, it's good to be able to see that that money will be going there. So uh, I'm glad they were able to make this happen. It's obviously from a logistical standpoint, it sounds like it's a, it was a no-brainer because you have teams that are, what, less than an hour apart, Orangeburg and then Columbia. So um, it's good. It's good that that's going to happen, but – on the flip side of it, yeah, there's going to be a lot of people that invest a lot of money into this program. They look forward to those 
seven Saturdays or whatever you get from a home game standpoint. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people that are disappointed and bummed, but I'm sure they understand the majority of them. I'm sure there'll be some that are a little upset, but that's just part of it. That's just what happens. Um, taking a look here. And Chris, again, are we expecting better video coverage than what we got last week from ESPN? That was terrible. Now, Joe, and maybe, maybe, uh, I don't know if you've had a chance to go back and watch this. Were you watching at home or you? you oh, were yeah. Okay. Yeah, it wasn't great. Um, this week it'll be on SEC Network, so I mean, I'm hoping the <laughs> broadcast is a little bit better. Um, but I mean, it's it's tough. You, you you have a lot of games going on. It's tough to send crews everywhere. But yeah, it was not great. I was uh, I was at a bar in Boston, and I got there early enough where I'm I'm sitting right in front. I just talked to the bartender. I said, "Hey, look." Is there any way we can put on ESPNU when the game comes on at 730 for South Carolina? And I cannot tell you how many people were pissed off because you have Alabama playing. You got Texas A&M playing, Arkansas. You got some good games out there. So, number one, the fact that the matchup, not the sexiest matchup of the week when you have South Carolina take on Charlotte, especially if you're – thousand you know thousand miles plus away up in boston i don't think anyone's really going to care about the south carolina game number one but number two that is something that really stood out so i couldn't hear the audio i couldn't hear the commentary or anything like that but it gave a feel of like when i worked at watch fox and it had this like greenish kind of um filter i mean that's the only way to describe it i mean it looked like someone had like this filter that went in front of the light or this kind of like this off kind of orange. I mean, it just, the saturation looked awful. Um, and I'm not, I try not to get too critical with the production because, I mean, I understand what it's like being on the other side of it, especially working, you know, in TV from Watch Fox and obviously up here in Boston now. I know it takes a lot and, you know, it takes a lot of people to put those things on, but it was disappointing. It was disappointing to see. Um, but going back to what you said, Joe, yeah, I, Number one, I wouldn't expect that this week on the SEC Network. And uh, I think if if anything, this is something that will hopefully get corrected. Now, I'll say this, and I don't know this for certain. Maybe there was something with the stadium, you know, sometimes, you know, I mean, this thing happens. So we can look, we can point at ESPN and, and blame ESPNU and blame the production. Sometimes it's a stadium thing. So I don't know the logistics of it, um, but hopefully it doesn't happen again because certainly there was a lot of people that it pissed off to the point where it felt like scrolling on social media, scrolling on the message board in Gamecock Central, whether it be during the game, after the game, a lot of people weren't happy. And um, I guess the audio, see, it was awful. The audio was worse, zero to ten when big plus happened. Big plays, I'm assuming, is what you meant, Gamecock Ryan, as I read your comment. Yeah, it, um, it wasn't good, Joe. Yeah, I mean, hopefully it's just an off week for ESPN. And again, the, the folks over there at SEC Network know what they're doing. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm not worried about the broadcast of this week's game. You sure. mentioned HBCUs, Joe. And I know you had the opportunity to be at the press conference today. You said there was some pretty good stuff that was, was talked about it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So Eric Douglas, um, he's got a really great story because his father played at SC State. So, um, you know, his family's coming up for this game. It's a very big game for his family. And, you know, he, he joked that him staying another year was um, to get his dad to root for South Carolina for one year. Um, and it's, it's just a big game for his family. And then, I mean, 
So it's got like HBCUs are in his family and it's big for him. And then Cam Smith mentioned he's got a lot, knows, I mean, at least a dozen guys that played for South Carolina State. Um, and so he was happy. He said they were all on a call last night, just talking, talking smack and just, you know, running their mouths before the game. Um, and so they're all excited. Cam Smith's going to be up for this one. And so I, I think, um, but just on the topic of the HBCUs, SC State is one of the like oldest football programs in the state. Like it, it means a lot to, you know, this, the history of the football in South Carolina. And Buddy Pugh is also a walking example of that. Um, he's been there forever and everybody seems to know Buddy Pugh. And, you know, he's very praised, an amazing person too. So um, I, I, I mean, personally, from like a writer standpoint and from, I guess, a fan's perspective is that like the HBCU games are amazing because it gives us, you know, a chance to kind of like acknowledge the history of the football um, and to give the HBCUs a chance to be on like a, a platform that, you know, has been kind of lost in the last couple of years. Yeah, and you mentioned just how long they've been around their first season. You have to go all the way back to 1907. Buddy Pugh, I mean, he's been there forever. I mean, he's been there since 2002. Of course, he's got ties to the Midlands, not just the University of South Carolina, coached the Gamecocks as an assistant from 97 to 2002. But before that, he was at Fairfield Central as a high school coach. Then he was at Keenan. And then I know he had a stint for, you know, about 10 years at South Carolina State in between all that. But before that, one of his first head coaching jobs, excuse me, one of his first high school jobs was an assistant at Orangeburg Wilkinson. So I bring all that up. And again, he's been at South Carolina State for over 20 years. Um, We know what they were able to do last year, being able to win the Celebration Bowl, the HBCU National Championship, which was huge. Um, So that's his third HBCU National Championship as a coach. And, uh, you know, they've finished first the last two years in the MEAC. I do want to bring up one thing, though, and it goes back to last year because I've had the opportunity to cover Buddy. I've had the opportunity to cover South Carolina State during my time in TV at Fox um, for those five years. And this is a tweet that I put out last year. I reshared it last night, though. But I remember Buddy talking about it with me, saying that, you know, for the past 20 years, He's been purchasing season tickets for the Gamecocks. And although he hasn't been able to go to a game, or he doesn't get to go to these games really at all, because he's obviously he's coaching in South Carolina State, um, he gives these tickets away to friends, you know, friends and family that want to go to the game. So I, I just think it speaks to the volume because of who he is as a person and how much respect he still has for the University of South Carolina. So, look, it feels like – especially during my time in South Carolina, it's hard to find anybody that will say anything bad about Buddy Pugh, um, what they've been able to accomplish from a football standpoint. The last couple of seasons has been remarkable because I remember like it was just yesterday that this program had took some hits and it got to a point where you weren't even sure if Buddy was going to be back. I mean, the first three years I was there, five and six, three and seven, five and six, it looked like Buddy was on his way out. It looked like Buddy was on his way out, and that's kind of the talks uh, around the program. And then they come back, have an eight and three season. And they have a shortened season, the COVID year, um, going three and one, coming first in the MEAC. and then of course what they were able to accomplish last year. So they've won their their last what they're they're seven and zero oh in the last two years in the MEAC, back to back MEAC champs. This is a team that, again. I don't think they're as good as what they've been the last two years, 
Um, but they're going to be a better team than Charlotte. But with that all being said, you should be able to beat them. There's no question about that. And T brings up uh, South Carolina State has more NFL Hall of Famers than USC and Clemson combined. Yeah. I mean, wild, Mike. Yeah. And, and I think the other thing, too, is when you look at just the talent. Oh, yeah. It's the talent that continues to come out, right? I mean, yeah. there's been so many good documentaries that have come out on HBCUs. I mean, I, I've had the opportunity, like I said, covering South Carolina State, going back to my time in Mississippi. I covered Mississippi Valley State, got to cover some SWAC. Um, Jerry Rice, of course, played at Mississippi Valley State, Willie Totten. Um, and then, you know, my time of, of, of covering Jackson State, we all know who Walter Payton is. So I bring all that up because certainly it's not what it used to be and for multiple reasons um, when it comes to HBCUs. But I will say this, though, there's still so many talented players that come out. And again, just looking at the Bulldogs in recent years, you look at Kobe Durant getting drafted by the Rams this past year, has his first career interception a couple weeks ago. You look at a guy like Shaq Leonard, a.k.a. Darius Leonard, and what he's been able to accomplish. I mean, it just seems like it was yesterday I was covering his final year at South Carolina State. You have some freaks, freaks in a good way, um, talented athletes. Yeah, Mike, uh, Shane, he said it today. He said all the NFL scouts who, you know, stop by the facility and, you know, kind of observe, said, you know, he asked and he always asked where their next stop is, and they always say South Carolina State. I mean, you mentioned Darius Leonard. I mean, just watch what that guy does on Sundays. As he stayed, his they will, you know, they have some guys for sure. And I mean, that big wide receiver that they have, um, can't remember the guy's name, but he's he's going to be a problem. Um, Cam Smith kind of talked about, you know, going up against him today. Um, but yeah, I, I think South Carolina State, you know, Jack Davis. Yeah, Jack sure. Davis is the uh, player that you're talking about, and uh, Saquon. Excuse me, I just remember calling him Shaq, or um, Buddy always calling him Shaq, but Saquon uh, Davis. He has been a fun player to watch um, grow. Um, I remember watching him from a couple of years ago, and he's he's turned into a to a real talented player. Uh, that's a guy that has NFL talent, um, no question about it. So, you know, look, for North Carolina, and it goes back to what Chris is mentioning, and, you know, just a heads up, everybody, because I'm off on this Tuesday night. We could have a little bit of an extended version oh, yeah. of GC Live uh, talking Tuesday night. So, We'll go a little bit longer than we typically do. We'll One thing about HBCUs, Mike, I love the bands. The bands are like that mm-hmm. is my favorite. One of my favorite like cult, like sports cultures is HBCU bands. They're incredible. I just wanted to get that out there. No, it's 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 something special. It's something special to be able to go to, and not just go to an HBCU game. Go to homecoming. Go to homecoming. It's like a whole freaking party's going yeah. on outside of the game. And that's not downplaying that South Carolina and some of these other programs don't do good tailgates, but um, it is, it is something special to go to an HBCU homecoming game. Um, It's special, but look, looking at this and Chris, another question, you know, would you say games like South Carolina state and Charlotte are good for Carolina or could it hurt us if we get hurt with major injuries in those games? I mean, I, I would say just like any game, you know, the possibility of getting hurt. I mean, it's always there. I think the thing is, though, with South Carolina State that it's not like you're playing Navy or Army, you know, and I'm not trying to bring back bad memories mentioning Navy um, or even Georgia Tech back in the day when they ran the 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 option. It's It's the style of offense in which they run 
it's not like this unconventional offense, right? Um, it's not like the Citadel. I would be more worried about playing a game like that and having to go up against a team that runs an unconventional offense. Um, because what happens is, you know, you're going to have guys that are out on the outside. They're going to be taking on sometimes chop blocks and this and that. And games like that, That's that would concern me more than anything when you're not used to going up against something. We're not used to seeing something. So as far as this goes, yeah, I mean, you don't want to get guys hurt, um, just like you wouldn't want to get guys hurt in any other game. But I think from a going back to just being a broken record from a confidence standpoint and just the timing of which these games came after Georgia, right, being able to play Charlotte, now being able to play South Carolina State, I think the timing couldn't come at a better, better time right now for South Carolina. And then going back to what Joe mentioned about – Kentucky and how South Carolina will now have some extra time to prepare for the Wildcats. That's a plus two. So look, there's pros and cons with it. And Joe, get me, uh, get me caught up if you could on the injury report. I think. Yeah. Darius rush is still questionable. Is that what uh, Beamer said today? Yeah. Darius, I'm pulling it up right now. Darius rush is questionable. I believe don't want him is out. Yep. Like I said, I'm pulling it up right now. So, look, there's going to be guys. There's going to be guys that are still banged up. Maybe they would have been able to play if the game was on Saturday. But ultimately, you want to have confidence that you'd be able to take care of this team and still be able to still be able to um, be good to go for Kentucky, right? Yeah. So, got to be able to win this game. And practice this week that was a one more addition sorry right thank you joe so look you want to feel you want to feel good about yourself you want to be able to do all these different things you should be able to win this game though whether you have a guy like dylan one up in the lineup or whether you have a guy like david spaulding xyz whoever the case may be should be able to beat south carolina state regardless these backups and i've mentioned this before from a defensive standpoint some of these guys need to step up some of these guys need to step up Nick Eman Worry has done a tremendous job. He's a perfect example of it. RJ Roderick goes down, and what happens? Nick starts week two, and he's been starting ever since then. You don't need to be playing like Nick on a level that will probably lead him to being on the all freshman team in the SEC when this season's done at the rate that he's going. But you need to be able to do a good enough job that puts this team in a situation to be able to win. And I think from a defensive standpoint, maybe some of those guys were playing a little tense in that first half, certainly in the first quarter of last week's game against Charlotte. Um, and that's an T. I'm glad you brought up. Thank you. DK Smith, DQ Smith, excuse me. DQ looks great. Another local kid, another local kid. It's done a tremendous job. Um, it's been good. It's been good to be able to see Smith out there. Um, so I'm glad you brought that up. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, Joe, so we mentioned the injuries. You mentioned the injuries. I, I think this week you have to see someone, and I don't know who necessarily it can be. I think they're trying, we're trying to look at some of these positions, whether it be outside linebacker, whether it be edge. Guys need to step up. Guys need to separate themselves. Okay, Jordan Strawn's not there anymore. Mo Kaba, he's not there anymore. You need to be able to find someone to play that position at a high level so you feel good. You feel good about yourself going into that Kentucky game. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Nicky Minwari is the guy everyone points to because he stepped up in especially a big way um, in that defensive backfield. Um, Strawn, again, it's a big guy to big guy to miss, but we got some young guys coming up through there. And um, Kaba also, he's another big guy, linebacker. Um, with um, Spalding being banged up um, as he was too, your depth right there is, is already limited. Um, and so with having these young guys like Stone Blanton and those being able for the, for the freshmen to be able to kind of step up and see some action against Georgia and Arkansas was big, um, very big, like early on in the year, because all that does is contribute to depth. Um, and Beamer mentioned it today. It's, it's really nice to have the depth back with everyone coming back on defense. Um, and so, I mean, realistically, with when you got Darius Rush and Cam Smith back, there's less of an injury hole. Um, you're still trying to fill it with, with Kaba and, and Strawn, but again, you've had guys stepping up. Um, you also have some experienced guys who are finally getting their chance to shine, um, like Debo Williams um, in place of Mo Kaba. Like he's he's really really stepped up. So, um, I, Mike, I think you're going to continue to see guys, you know, elevate their play in, in those two spots, and particularly as as you're getting the veterans back that, you know, know what they're doing and can take charge of the defense like Cam Smith and Darius Rush. Speaking about veterans, I know John says where is Joyner. Uh, Shane Beamer actually mentioned this on his teleconference on Sunday night. When you look back to the previous game, of course, against Charlotte, when you look at the personnel situation, and this wasn't just the Joyner thing. You didn't see Marion Brown out there as much either. It was just it was more two tight end sets. And when you have two tight end sets, you're not going to need as many receivers out there when you're running the football. So um, that was something that Shane mentioned. It just goes back to the game plan. And when you have the game plan being what it was last game, which was to run the football, you're not going to see certain guys out there. Right. Just like if you were trying to spread it out, you might not see as many running backs out there. Before that, Joyner was battling a calf injury um, and he has been making strides ever since. So, again, you know, when we mentioned this before, because I know people had mentioned this about Josh Van, and I want to go down the list. Why is it this guy seeing as many touches or Jaheim Bell and this and that? Number one, when the scheme's the scheme, right? I mean, if they're going to run the football, it goes without saying. You're not going to probably see as many touches through the year from a receiving standpoint. But at the same time, too, when you're running the football and you have two tight ends out there, you're not going to need as many receivers out there on the field. So, again, I don't know. What we'll see from South Carolina this week, I feel like we will see them try to establish that run early on, but I do feel like they will take a little bit more shots through the year um, with Spencer. And that's a good transition over here because Chris says, will we play Spencer past halftime um, if we have a comfortable lead or does he need to have that confidence? I, I think I think it goes back to – it goes back to where – where Satterfield in this offense feels like they are as they get ready for Kentucky. Um, I think we'll see Rattler through three quarters. Um, I mean, I, I can't see South Carolina getting into a position where they have a lead, where they're just putting their backups in to, to start the second half. Um, but I, I think, I think what we will see is again, this is a game where you should be able to win. This is a game that you should be able to build off some of that confidence you had last week against Charlotte, but you should be able to find things that say, hey, look, we feel better about ourselves now heading into Kentucky in comparison to where we were after that Georgia game. That's what I want to see, Joe. I mean, it's as simple as that. It's, and I said this last week. It's not about putting up 40, 50, 60 points. It's about going out there and executing what your job is. 
And yes, did they leave some points out there? Yeah. But at the same time, too, no turnovers as far as the starters are concerned. And when the starters were out there, you scored on every possession when you're on the field. If you do that, it's going to be very difficult for you to lose games. I don't care who you're playing. Is it going to be like that every week? Certainly not. But when you do that, that's as good as it gets. That's as good as it gets. Yeah, Mike, absolutely. Like, I think, you know, it, it depends, like, really how how's or how it's going. I could, you know, realistically, I think he will play um, all three quarters. Um, but there, there is – you never know. Um, unless they're up, like, 42 to nothing at halftime, I would assume <laughs> he's going to play – um play the third quarter and it, it also does go to a confidence confidence thing going into Kentucky um how much they want to open the playbook versus how much they kind of just want to wrap some stuff out um you know the whole Josh Van thing with you know not having a play in a certain amount of weeks or something like that like I feel like this is the game where they kind of you know get all that stuff you know worked out in game um like we had talked about, um, and I, I saw there was a, there was a comment earlier like, do these games really help us going into Kentucky? Like, absolutely. Um, even though you know you're playing your guys, you know your starters out there, and you know it might there's a chance that they get banged up, but also too you're playing them like you know pu- almost putting a leash on them in a way, um, not running you know a s- bunch of stuff that's going to put them in a position to get hurt as much. Um, and also, too, like limit them late in the game too. you know, pull them when it's time. Well, and Joe and Joe, the other thing, too, about it is they're playing on limited time here in terms of being at the turnaround from last week's game. So, guys, look, guys are going to be banged up. Guys are going to be banged up. I mean, this is this is why Thursday night football to me is one of the biggest jokes and hypocrisies when you talk about NF- the NFL talking about, uh, you know, player safety and this and that. Right. And how it's important. And yet you'll have teams play on Sunday and then a couple days later they're gonna be playing they're gonna be playing on um, on a Thursday to the point where I think this is funny and I could be a little bit wrong with my dates here. I'm trying to remember the exact timeline of this. The Patriots, the Patriots will be playing three games in a span of I believe it's eleven days. They're gonna be playing a Sunday night game, a Thursday night game, and then a Thursday night game. So I, I bring that up because you know, these quick turnarounds, just the the wear and tear it has in your body, it's a lot. And we're going to get into some of that tomorrow on Gamecock Central because Marcus gave me some great intel as far as what he remembers with those short week games. It might not be the exact same as South Carolina is doing it now. Um, I mean, I remember he brought up the fact that they would stay in the hotel still off campus the night before. And then you'd wake up. Some of you guys would have to go to class. Some of you would already get ready. And then by one o'clock, a majority of the players were out of class and you're getting into your game routine. And it feels very similar to when you're in high school uh, with play. And I mean, shoot, that's, that's something that, you know, as a division two guy, we would play a lot of Friday night games and it's, it's a weird feeling. It's a weird feeling. It's a different routine because you have to program yourself to be like, okay, I got to be a student right now, or I got to, get take you know i gotta take care of some business and then i gotta get ready for a game so for a lot of these guys it's it's gonna be odd it's gonna be odd eric douglas mentioned he's like well i'm you know i've been here for i think he said what i've been here for 20 years i can check this one off the bucket list i haven't done this one yet so um it's gonna be important to just try to find that routine that norm normality that these players are accustomed to on game day because it's not going to feel that way. 
It's not going to feel that way. Um, Ryan, am I crazy for thinking that Nicky Mandir would be a Terrett nickel closer to the Bucks? No. The only thing about that, Ryan, the only thing about that is, is this. I don't know how Nick is in coverage. And and let me let me let me dig into that a little bit. That nickel spot, the angles that you're playing, it's not like playing at safety. It's not like you're playing at corner. So I just don't know how he would be in that spot. I think from a tackling standpoint, no question. And I've mentioned this before that one of the issues I've seen from South Carolina, especially through the first three games, and we even saw it a little bit last week, I think about that first drive in particular, they've been soft on the perimeter. They've been soft on the perimeter coming off their blocks. They need to stop dancing with these receivers. I mean, I feel like I'm watching a high school prom. I mean, get off the freaking block and make a tackle, okay? And I'm sure that has been something that not just Clayton White, but Torian Gray has been reiterating. When you're banged up in the manner in which they have been, and we talk about nickel, we talk about edge, we talk about outside linebacker, the area where teams will attack you, and we saw it with Georgia, they will want to attack you in the flat. They will want to attack you in the flat. And yes, if you're running the football off tackle, right, you can do that. You can do screens. You can do swing passes. You can do even quick outs. That's all an extension of the run game. It's all an extension of the run game. And it's going to create those same angles. And the cornerback or if the safety is down in the box at that point, nickel, outside linebacker, depending on the situation, they need to be able to get off the block and make a tackle. I feel like Nick has done a good job with that. Nick has done a tremendous job with filling the alley, as we would call it, um, from a defensive standpoint, filling the alley, banana peeling it. And what that means is just coming down and playing that angle where you're playing it inside out. You're playing it inside out. You're coming down the angle, right? Think of a banana. You're coming down an angle and you're playing it inside out. He's done a good job with that. What needs to happen, though, is the corners on the outside, they need to make sure that they're doing their 111. Because if he's playing that angle and it gets bounced outside and you're not getting off your block, so not to get all technical and, you know, X's and, X's and O's, but that's what it comes down to. Um, but, yeah, I mean, short answer, yes. I don't hate the idea, but it's just not as simple as, okay, can he line up here um, and be able to play nickel? because of just those coverage angles. It's just, we've seen guys, we've seen guys, Joe, that from a corner standpoint, I know he's a safety, from a corner standpoint, that just can't play nickel. And, you know, it's it's one of those things where, as uh, I'm trying to see what we got here for a little bit, what we see is teams – try to do this and they it, they get exploited that nickel spot is so important it's so important these days because we the way the game's evolving we're seeing a lot more defenses play four two five style of defense and if you don't have a nickel or someone that you at least can trust in that spot it's gonna make for a long day now if you can it's great uh, you know, we saw it last year. I mean, Spalding was starting in that nickel spot for a while. Then we saw Carlin's Patel do a tremendous job. Carlin's had never played nickel before. Carlin's had never played nickel. So I say that because, yes, Carlin's had experience of playing college football at a lower level, Division Two. 
but he came in, thought he was going to be playing outside, but they liked the way he played on the inside. So uh, I have no idea. I have no idea if South Carolina is even thinking about that. Not to give a long-winded answer here, but, um, you know, it is something that some guys are able to adapt to. But, I mean, man, the way he's playing that safety position, it'd be unless – you, unless you felt good about putting him down there and putting R.J. Roderick back there, I kind of like the way they have things right now, Joe. I know it's not perfect. They need to figure out some things on defense. Um, so Ryan, I mean, I don't think you're crazy to think that. I just don't know how he would do from a coverage standpoint. Yeah. I mean, I think Cam Smith is doing a great job in the nickel role right now, but from, I mean, Ryan, I don't think you're crazy. Um, but I think it's something that Clayton White will want to work Nick Eamon Worry into eventually. Um, like I, like Mike, like you said, um, yeah, the tackling aspect is there. You said that perfectly. Like, he has shown that he is more than capable about flying around the field and making plays. Um, he just kind of needs to develop a little bit more, be in the system to where he knows every look. Like Clayton White, you know, talks about it all the time with his defense. He's like, I want my players to go in there and be able to diagnose, you know, not just what they're seeing, but what everyone else is seeing. So that way they can, you know, flow and they know if, you know, my guy next to me is going to go do this, then I know why I'm supposed to be doing this. And he said, you know, it's supposed to be a cohesive unit. And I think, with Nick Eamon just playing in the system and by flying around and making plays like he is, it's going to be big. And eventually I think he will work into that nickel spot. Like, Well, I would never say never. I yes. would never say never, especially when you've seen this team take the hits that they have had already from an injury standpoint. Uh, but I think one thing's for certain that you have something special with Nick and, you know, guys, they flip around, right? It's not the same what I'm about to say, and I'm not trying to scare people, but I mean, shoot, the offensive equivalent in a sense would be what you've seen with Joyner over the years. Okay. And Joyner, of course, he played for a different coaching staff. So this doesn't go back on Beamer, but this goes back to the original coaching staff and how they try to use them, you know, and we saw this with other guys, right. You know, you move guys around, where are they going to be this and that um, there's nothing wrong with wanting a guy to be able to fill a void that you feel like you have, whether it be offense, defense, or even special teams. But that's the only thing that would worry me that by trying to move him to the nickel spot, if God forbid, God forbid, and I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer, but God forbid things just weren't able to work out that position. Does he lose his confidence? If you try to move him back to safety, that's the only thing that would scare me because the way he's playing right now, he's on pace to be named to the all-freshman team in the SEC. He's doing some special things. He's doing oh, yeah. some special things. Um, speaking about special things, let's talk about some special teams. Chris saying, what about special teams? The part our team is golden. Um, I've been very, very pleased with special teams overall. Very, very p- pleased. Um I like I like what we've seen from from an attack standpoint. I think a lot of the I, with a lot of the blocks we've seen. I, mean, I know that we had there was two of the first week. Um, they're really it, it's it's more so effort than anything else. South Carolina wasn't sending the house. I think one of them was a three man rush and the other one was a four man rush. So you're really not seeing. It's just simply just being able to execute and do your job, just effort 
That's what it comes down to. That's what special teams is. So um, I think South Carolina is getting exactly what they invested into, which is having a special teams coordinator and investing a lot of time in practice. And when you have a guy like Mitch Jeter, who is converting the type of field goals that he's been able to from as far as he has, it changes the way you think as an offense. I'm not saying necessarily he's Justin Tucker, but you know, you think of a guy like Justin Tucker in the NFL, that changes the mindset from an offensive standpoint, right? He he can he he can basically give you an extra 10 yards. So when you go out there on the field and it's like, all right, hey, look, you know, it's third and whatever. All right, you know, if we don't get this first down, but we're able to get another couple of yards, we're in range already. You know, the way that you just think and the way you attack. I think Mitch Jeter has slowly become that for South Carolina. Now, again, in a game like this, you're praying that you don't have to settle for field goals. But at the same time, too, just looking at the season as a whole, Joe, I like what they've been able to do in that regard. And Mitch Jeter has certainly been a very, very bright spot for this for this Gamecock team. Yeah, Mike, absolutely. Um, Mitch Jeter's a legit kicker. Like, he is not your typical SEC miss-a-bunch kind of kicker. Um We've seen special teams be a recurring theme or a recurring bright spot for this program. And I think with the addition of Shane and, you know, his work in special teams throughout the years, like it's, it's from what it's gotten to like now, like it, it's what you're seeing right now is product of, you know, Beamer's history in special teams. And, you know, special teams is kind of a goofy, like if you want to have success, you need kind of a, it's, it's, it's a goofy science to it. Right. And I think Pete Lembo is the perfect guy to be leading the special teams unit because he is, you know, kind of a goofy guy. He's got a bunch of catchphrases. He's got a nickname for everybody. And he's a former head coach taking a job on a staff that, you know, he you know, could have been a head coach elsewhere, but he, he decided to come be a special teams coordinator here because, you know, it shows how much he wants to be a part of the program, how much other people want to be a part of the program too, Mike. Do you want to bring up as we, Go into our number two here on this GC Live Talking Tuesday night. Now, today's program, just like it is every single time, just like it is every GC Live. I'm trying to pull these things up here as smooth as Wes and Chris do it. It's brought to you by Clint Hammond and the outstanding job they do at the Mortgage Network. And I told you this, Joe. I told you this before we hopped on. How about this, right? Their main headquarter. Their headquarters is located in Danvers, Massachusetts. That's the town right next to me, okay? These guys are all over the place. They do a tremendous job all across the East Coast and most trusted mortgage provider, okay? Give them a call. I know from talking with Perry Orth, Perry says that when he's moving houses and he needs to be able to get all that stuff taken care of, he calls Clint. And I know so many other South Carolina athletes have done the same as well. So give Clint him and a call. He'll get you situated. He'll be able to make life. So much easier for you. And speaking about making life easier for you, I know tax season's right around the corner. And I say right around the corner because it always feels like tax season's right around the corner. It's never too early to start looking at your taxes. And Liberty Tax will help take away that tax anxiety. Give them a call at 803-462-5576. They will help you overcome that anxiety that comes with tax season. So be ready for tax season, Joe. We don't want you to be worried about your taxes. Absolutely, Mike. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself. You don't even know what to say about that. Um, okay. Yeah. Before, before, before we wrap things up, Thursday night football. 
What's your overall thoughts? South Carolina playing on a Thursday night. Do you like it? Would you have liked it to be a Sunday? And here's why. I think back to 2016 when we saw South Carolina move their game against Georgia to Sunday, right, because of Hurricane Matthew. I don't remember who South Carolina was playing that following week. Uh, I can pull that up real quick. But the point being is they did that because that was the circumstances that they were in. Um, and they had to play it at that time period. I think, uh, okay, now, now I remember. South Carolina was, was off the following week, so it worked out. This case, a little bit different. And I know that you brought this up earlier, Joe, being able to play Kentucky the following week, you have some extra time. I know it's going to be a different schedule this year, but going back to last year, going back to last year, Marcus Satterfield and this offense, some of the best games they had last season is when they had extra time, whether it be the home opener, whether it be coming off the bye week after losing to Texas A&M when they played Florida, or whether it be the bowl game against North Carolina. They were able to do a lot of good things offensively. Now, certainly, this will be a shorter turnaround in comparison to those examples, but you still have some extra time. You still have some extra time to get healthy, which is very important for this team, as we know. They've been banged up, feels like, for the majority of the season, and we're only, what, heading into week five. But um, to have some extra time, I mean, man, I think it can only help them. So Thursday night football, I know some people probably would have liked to see it maybe, I don't know, Saturday night, Sunday. And I'm not speaking for everybody, but I'm sure some would have liked to have been able to keep it on the weekend. But, man, I think, again, if you feel confident going into this game against South Carolina State, it shouldn't matter what day of the week you're playing. And then, hey, give yourself some extra time to breathe, two extra days to get ready for Kentucky before you head back into SEC play. I think it's a no-brainer. I think Thursday night was a was a great night to, to to be able to have this game played, especially with the circumstances of the hurricane, of course. Yeah, absolutely. I think you know it was it was a no-brainer um, to kind of move it up instead of moving it back, um, especially with Kentucky. Beamer mentioned today he's gonna you know Saturday be a day off for the guys, and it's probably the coach's first day off since day before pra- or practice started for the for the fall. So I think it's the best case scenario all around. And I mean, Beamer mentioned also mentioned today that you know they they were getting advice from the Miami Dolphins and other NFL teams mm-hmm. on how to handle it. Um, there's a funny clip about him um, just mentioning that they have class to kind of work on and stuff, which is it it really shows the difference there. But um, you know, it's it's big, and I mean, having guys like Freddie Kitchens and Sterling Lucas on your staff, it's it's very big because they've been in the NFL for a long long period of time. And they know what the day in day out looks like, and I mean little note here on Sterling Lucas. This is also a big game for him, like growing up in Orangeburg. So side note that he knows a lot about this, uh, this matchup growing up in Orangeburg. But again, like Mike, like it's a no brainer. Put it on Thursday. So, yeah, I, I want to be able to see South Carolina go out there and do X, Y, Z. We're talking about from an execution standpoint. I want them to just stay healthy. Yeah. I want them to be able to just stay healthy. This is a team that can't afford any more injuries. Yeah. And, I feel like if they're able to get that confidence that we had hoped that they would find from this two-game stretch, Charlotte, South Carolina State, a lot of people that may have felt uneasy about this team after the Georgia game, they might start looking at that game a little bit differently. I'm sure 
if South Carolina goes out there, hangs 40 or 50 on South Carolina State, has success in a similar manner to what they did last week, there's still going to be people that are a lot, a lot of people that are going to be still skeptical. I get that. I get that. You want to see it against SEC talent. I understand that. Well, you get your wish the following week. But my question to you, meaning not you, intern Joe, but to those people that would be thinking that, how would you feel? How would you feel if South Carolina is able to have that type of success this weekend or Thursday night? Got that freaking Thursday night thing's throwing me so off. How would you feel if South Carolina is able to have that success Thursday in comparison to where maybe you thought this team was after that Georgia game? Do these two games, do these two games, if USC is able to have that same type of success in some shape, way, or form against the Bulldogs on Thursday, has that changed anything for you? Has that changed anything for you? So, again, that's not to say that they don't have their flaws. Whether it be on offense, whether it be on defense, whether it be on special teams. It's not to say they don't have their flaws. But I felt like so many people were looking at this team after the first couple of weeks, kind of like, oh, man, like it's going to be a long year. Like, hey, look, slow down. Slow down. If you were listening to anything we were talking about in the preseason, you would have known that there were going to be growing pains. You would have known that they would have been one and two, which I think a lot of people did assume that. They just wanted to see a little bit more from an offensive standpoint, and I get that. I think the offense before the Charlotte game was a little bit behind in comparison to where I think I had them. I think they were a little behind still because it's been one game. I want to see them do it again this week. But if they were able to go out there, run the ball efficiently, and be able to throw the ball to attack the middle of the field. That's what Skarnecchia wants to see, Joe. That's yeah. what Skarnecchia wants to see. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I see trying to bring up some of these comments here. Chris, can we have more former players to co-host on post-game streams? So, right now we have Perry Orth and Michael Skarnecchia flip-flopping. They have uh, committed to us for the season, and we are very appreciative to have them both on. Um, I can only speak about this season. I'm sure there's bigger plans moving forward, but, um, you know, with, with me coming to Gamecock central, that was one of the uh, things that we had talked about being able to expand the digital plan. And of course, a uh, video digital plan that is, cause of course it's a website. No, no kidding, Mike, it's digital plan. Um, but with me up here in Boston, we had to make some adjustments, but we're, we're doing the best we can. And, you know, appreciative of the support that Brian Shoemaker and the entire GC crew have, given me if I juggle both these jobs here in Boston. Uh, and I appreciate all you guys too who follow along because I know a lot of you guys who follow me, especially on social media, you're having to see stuff about the Celtics, Patriots, Red Sox, whatever the case may be, Bruins. Um, so, you know, I appreciate you guys not hitting the unfollow button. I mean, there's been plenty of people that have, uh, and I get it, but uh, I appreciate those of you that continue to follow along. And, you know, in addition to getting your Beamer updates, you're getting your uh, Bill Belichick updates. So um, it's been it's been good, but uh, yeah, Joe, we'll we'll uh, we'll be back at it on um, Thursday night. Thursday night, Michael Skarnecchia will be on this week. And if you did not listen to Scar on Mixing a Water Monday from a week ago, or if you did not listen to Scar after the Georgia game, 
Scar is awesome on these. Scar is awesome. This will be his second GC Live post-game show. He calls it for what it is. And um, as someone that played that position, knows that position inside and out from a quarterback standpoint, he sees things that the rest of us don't. So I'm very excited to have him back on with us on Thursday night. Perry's and, great, too. Um, what's <laughs> I said Perry's good, too, sometimes. Perry's bad. Perry Worth guy. Perry, you know, Perry, yeah, I don't know. Perry, I don't know Perry's, Perry's great, too. But we, we got to sell it. We got to sell Scar here. We got to sell oh, Scar. Scar's coming up. Right. We're set. Well, guys, I appreciate you taking the time to uh, tune on in tonight. Hope you guys have a good Tuesday night. Look, I know there's not going to be football Saturday from a Gamecock standpoint, but tell yourself this. Tell yourself this. All this means is that you don't have to wait as long for game day in Columbia, South Carolina, and that's never a bad thing. Have yourself a good Tuesday night. We'll do it again Thursday after the game when South Carolina takes on South Carolina State, 7 o'clock on the SEC Network. Take care, guys, and uh, see you guys real soon.